It's always good to welcome you to another My Tunes podcast, but this week even more so, as you're about to hear a remarkable story of survival from a quite remarkable man. Mark Tiley, the nation's station, men's radio. This week on My Tunes, something rather different. A gentleman who I'm delighted is with us. He is delighted to be alive after, well, quite an incident in an aeroplane that has been very well documented, and we will certainly talk about that later in the week. Please welcome to the MyTune studio, Mike Osborne. Mike, welcome. Hello, very kind of you to invite me here. Well, it's lovely to have you with us. Obviously, a lot of people will know about that plane crash, and we will touch on it later, well, talk a lot about it later on in the week but I want to go back way before that to the young Mike what were you doing when you were a lad well I was I suppose I was rather blessed because I was born into a a hard-working but business family um, in Burton-on-Trent and we were we were soft drinks manufacturers been in the family for a hundred odd years and we, we made iron brew, ginger beer, Vimto, all the sorts of good stuff. So great sort of um, business to be in if you're a young lad and you want a bottle of pop. Well, it was <laughs> it was on tap almost. And, and that was across. So uh, did were you in the family business? Yes, it was a, it was a bit messy, really. Um, I was always going to be a pop man like my dad. It was going to be like that, and I, I worked lots of time in the, in the family business. And then my my grandfather died all suddenly, and the death actually left father with no shares in the business, although he was managing director. It, not through spite, but through the fact that father was the youngest of the of the children, and grandfather had not updated his estate. So it was a it was a messy old time. But anyway, apart from that. Um, I did work in the business delivering beer and pop to all the hundreds of pubs in the Burton-on-Trent Derby area. And it was great. Loved it. And then, somehow, you ended up on the Isle of Man. And also, your brother, of course, who's been in that very seat. (laughs) Uh, James has been in in here as well. How did the transfer to the Isle of Man come about for you? Well, we... um... We created a business. I mean, if I if I just roll back the clock a little yeah. bit. When I was at school, and I went to a really pathetic public school, but anyway, apart from that, I had a terrible speech impediment. And in fact, I stuttered so badly. It was a great hoot at school. The kids would put their hands up and they'd say, please, sir, can Osborne read? Cruel, it, it was just, cruel, cruel, cruel. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty beastly, really. Yeah. And so, you know, although I was a, I was a pretty good guy and... Uh, full of the outdoors and all that sort of jazz my education was held back because i was i was just not able to communicate dreadful so that was pretty terrible and um as luck would have it mother happened on scientology we've all heard about scientology some like it some don't and uh, i would be only 15 at the time but in a bit of a bit of turmoil with my stuttering and after a few months of mum being in Scientology, she came home all ebullient, said to we children, children, right, you're going to come to an introductory talk. So anyway, so I went, as we all did, uh, queued up to this introductory talk, and uh, 
we sort of quite liked what we heard. To cut a bit of a long story short, Mother paid for a bit of what's called Scientology auditing for me. It was a process called a communication release. Anyway, this day I went to see this woman and I sat in front of her, held a couple of beer cans with the little electrodes on them and she asked me questions effectively about my past. And she kept asking me questions about, you know, I'd say something would have happened and then we'd go back in time, she'd say, is there, is there something that happened earlier? Darn me, I was only 15 at the time and um, we got back to something that happened to me when I was a child of about three. Yeah, you wouldn't think you could possibly remember anything like that. That's extraordinary. Anyway, yeah. so I recounted this happening and I, I remember clearly I'd, I'd fallen off a bike and my mother had said, don't talk now, you'll be fine. And the moment I spotted that saying, my stuttering disappeared. I never, ever stuttered again. My life was changed. My life was saved. And... Um, it was, it was, you know, one of those eureka moments that not everybody experiences. Quite incredible that from that one deep memory, that released you from stuff. It just released it. I mean, Mother had said, well, I can't remember exactly, but don't talk now. No wonder I couldn't talk. Was that. Wow. Let's have your first choice of music. I'm delighted we found it because it's a beautiful, beautiful version of a great song. I'm going to just tell you, though, before you play it, the, the reason that I've chosen this is that um, <clears throat> I was very, very close. Well, James and I were very close to our parents. They were great parents. We could do everything, motor racing, fishing, shooting, climbing, horses, you know, anything. Um, my mother was murdered in France when I was uh, 22, and then dad lived to a sort of a longer age and uh, but he left in his will a little note for our son ashley who was a competent sax player grade eight um, could he play summertime at dad's funeral and i don't really do funerals too well uh, but anyway ashley agreed and that's how summertime became etched in my memory Goodness me. When you lost your mother, was it a robbery gone wrong? What on earth happened? No, she was... She was she, well, her car had broken down in Clermont-Ferrand. And um, it was an old... Well, it wasn't old then, but it was a Daihatsu. Not many bits around. And uh, she'd been waiting three days for the parts to come for this car. And she happened to go to the garage on the Monday morning. And... Uh, Somebody talking to the garage proprietor heard mother, blah, blah. And they said to this proprietor, I've got some parts that will fit your client's car. So mother, you know, you hear your mother saying time and time again, don't take lifts with strangers. Well, she hops into this car to get this part. And uh, she walks into the garage, gets a pistol out and shoots her. Good Lord. And he'd been released on, on sort of bail from a, a mental institution. And he'd been saying for the last six months, tomorrow I'm going to kill somebody. And that tomorrow just happened to be mother.
This week on MyTunes, my guest is Mike Osborne. And we heard about an incredible turnaround from a boy, young man, who stuttered to a man who was no longer stuttering and became a life insurance salesman where talking and getting people to, to, you know, engrossed, it couldn't have happened without that revelation, could it, Mike? Sort of following on the story, really, I decided that I'd leave father's business, which was a, which was a bit of a wrench. I applied for a job to be a life insurance salesman. But I remember sitting in this office in Leicester. I was only 23 or 4. And I saw a plaque on the wall and it said, you can be a million dollar life insurance salesman. And I, I looked at that million dollars and I thought, oh gosh, that sort of inspired me. So I went on the training course and trained to be a life insurance salesman. And I was actually pretty good at it. Because I think I worked harder and faster than anybody else that I knew. And I did that day in, day out. I did lots of things. I snowboarded, skied, raced, powerboats, all sorts of stuff. But I really worked jolly hard. And of course, during that little journey when I was working for an insurance company, I met my dream girl. I had been looking around for a while. And uh, I found my dream girl, Hazel. And so, um, we got married, we had a super, super wedding, and uh, she was terribly supportive of me working long hours, starting at six o'clock at the office, getting home at half past 11. But we built, you know, quite a sizable little company. And, um, and then after 15 years of nightmarish hard work, I woke up one morning and I said, if I have to sell one more insurance policy, I'm going to go start raving bonkers. The very next day, I decided that I'd put the company uh, on the market, try to sell it. And, uh, well, blimey, the first people that I spoke to, they said, well, we don't want to sell it for you, but we want to buy it. Really? So they, they, they took it? They bought it, and it was a UK PLC, and... That's really what cemented the move to the Isle of Man. I'd already been coming over here three or four years previous to that, got some bits of property. And so we sold the business in the Midlands and we sailed off to the sunset, or the rain set, as I often call it. (laughs) And here you are. We're going to play today's track, and then tomorrow we're going to talk about it because this will link us very... Well, crucially, into tomorrow's uh, my tunes. What's it going to be? Top Gun. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Here it is.
Yesterday on my tunes, we finished up with Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone. Now, I know uh, that that was chosen very specifically to lead us into a difficult conversation today with my guest, Mike Osborne. As well as all the things he's done, he's a pilot. And he had an accident that very nearly cost him his life. And it is well documented. There are quite a few documentaries about you, sir, aren't there? Out there, if people want to go through it with you. Yeah, you know, there are. And um, I chose Top Gun because uh, really that that paraphrased my life and how I wanted to live it. Fast, exciting, lots of danger. Uh, And that summed me up, up to that very point. I was... I was invincible, yeah. as we all think we can do anything. Just to expand on that, really, we moved over here. I started a, a property business based in St Mary's in Castletown. And then I invested in a business in Africa. I used to go out there for six weeks at a time. I contracted malaria. I had cerebral malaria. I came back here to the Isle of Man, felt a bit fluey. So I thought, well, I'll just bob up to Noble because I know what malaria is, but I'll, I'll just go check it out. Well, they took my blood and they said, well, look, we'll ring you, you know, in a couple of hours when we've analysed it. They were on the phone in about 10 seconds. They said, you're in right now. Mm. So I'd got cerebral malaria. And, you know, good old Nobles, they'd never treated that before. So they went on the Internet, found out how to deal with it. And there was a guy from India who knew a bit about it. So they, they had me in isolation when they didn't need to, but they, they found out how to deal with it, and they caught it very early, because it can be pretty jolly serious. So that was that, and then I got bitten by a seriously poisonous snake, so that wasn't helpful either. And so that's sort of where I thought that I was invincible. Until, well, as you know, I'm, I'm a, a pilot, love yep. flying, and uh, on this particular... Sunday morning, I was going to go to Belfast to take somebody there. It was actually my son's girlfriend. So I landed at Belfast City and um, that was all fine. Turned around the aircraft. I'd had some maintenance on the plane a few days before uh, to do with a scavenge pump on the one of the engines. I rang Hazel and I said, right, put the grouse on. I'll be back in about 20 minutes. And... Uh, as I rolled down the run, we took off. I had a catastrophic engine failure at 80 feet. And some of these light aircraft, although they're twins, they won't climb on one engine. So you have to decide very quickly whether you're going to make it into a glider. So I chopped the other engine and there was a... I passed the end of the runway by then, but there was a very large playing field next to Belfast City Airport. And I went to land the plane on there. And then there was kids running across the playing field, so I turned to avoid them. Oh, so you couldn't use the playing field. There were children on it. Children on it. So I turned to avoid them, and then I, I just struck a metal post. And this metal post split one of the wings, and I'd got uh, 360 litres of fuel on. Virtually full, ready to go. Virtually full. We all know what a cup full of petrol will do yeah. on a bonfire. So, of course, the plane blew up. I can remember sitting in the cockpit thinking, shall I get out or shall I not? The explosion blew the windscreen out, so I, I got out of the plane. And Luckily, if, you, if anybody re- remembers the Battle of Britain film, there was the guy who gets out of his Spitfire rolling in the long grass on fire. Well, that was me. 
the plane was exploding, the fire extinguishers going off, all that sort of stuff. And I was sort of wandering around instructing people to ring Hazel, although I, I got no clothes, they were all burnt. And then the ambulance came, they gave me a shot, and that was effectively me in intensive care for 12 weeks, ITU, and I was in Belfast Hospital for nine months. Probably not going to survive, because I was 55% full thickness, waist up. And so it was a, it was a pretty unsurvivable shunt. And they had to rebuild you with your skin or were they grafting? Well, how were they grafting things onto you? Well, interestingly, the surgeon who was there, I was his first burn. And I mean, in a way, luckily, the, the accident was in Belfast. And I often thank goodness for the troubles because they'd been burning and shooting each other for years. They had a great trauma unit. Anyway, this guy, he said, right, well, I'm going to take off every bit of burnt tissue day one. Very, very risky for a body. Body from waist up, no skin on it. And uh, so that's what he did. That's really to try and stop infection. And then what they do, they use cadaver skin initially to try and save the day, skin off a dead person. And then gradually they took skin off my legs because they weren't burnt. I'd had a a gene type material on and they gradually spread the skin onto what looks like a bit of muslin and they stick it on your body and and then they hope that it will take and they do a bit two days later. Remarkable. But of course during all that time because my body was so bashed up I'd got MRSA and if anybody knows about superbugs that's a that's a great complication because <sighs> You know, you put skin on, and of course the superbug eats the skin up. So we had that, and I had pseudomonas, and, and all the stuff. And, I, and Hazel remembers the surgeon saying, this guy isn't getting out, getting out of hospital till he walks out. She was great, Hazel. She, what she did, she packed up, she came to Belfast, got an apartment. David Crean organised for Manx Airlines, as it was, I think, then, to give... Hazel free flights backwards and forwards and people who came to visit me but I was dead I was effectively uh, you know I was dead and after nine months I got on a flight in a wheelchair came back to the Isle of Man remarkable story let's have today's piece of music what's it going to be Mike well you know I'm sure lots of you have uh, have heard this or done this and you sort of think why me all the time I was in hospital trying to get my life back together, you say, why was it me? Why, why me? Well, actually, why not? And the music that was, I heard quite often was Kate Melia, Nine Million Bicycles. And it makes me shudder now to even think about we're going to play it. Anyway, we're going to play it.
Yesterday's My Tunes, if you were listening, and I hope you were, you'd have heard a story of survival and the most incredible story of rebuilding a human body from what really was a perilous condition after a dreadful plane crash, a plane that burst into flames and nearly all consumed my guest, Mike Osborne. Mike, thank you for going through that. I hope it wasn't too horrendous for you to tell it again. If people want to learn more about that incredible reconstruction they can find you on uh, youtube there's documentaries about you i've I've watched them and it is a remarkable story let me just say that after i'd been discharged and and we were i spent the next four years trying to rebuild things that didn't work and um discovery channel asked if they could come and make a film about the accident i said yes reluctantly hazel said yes so they followed me around for a year and we made this amazing film. And if you YouTube Mike Osborne Burn, that'll take you to the amazing live series. And if you click on the 55-minute film, it's incredible. And it's been downloaded under 85,000 times. And it has been used a lot for people who have got a trauma in their life, whether it's mentally or physical trauma. And sometimes people who think they've got a problem they look at the film and they think, well, actually, I haven't really got a problem because that was a problem. Mm. And so it's been a, an incredible 
a therapeutic film, well made, and uh, lots of people have benefited from it. You still fly, hopefully. You won't have to go through anything like that again. Uh, did it shake you completely? How, did it change you, Mike? You, you mentioned you, you, the feeling of invulnerability you had as a young man. What happened to you after that, mentally? Well, it, you know, it's a, that's a very good point, well made. And uh, the accident really didn't impinge on me at all, except for the fact that I looked dreadful. I looked so bad for so long. Do you know, I cried every day for two years, every day. And this is me. I'd look at my face and it was just imploding day by day. You slowly climb your way out of the abyss. And I was a fairly strong person. And I never have a single dream about my accident or anything. It's like it's in the past, get on with it. And, you know, it's only four years ago that I stopped having uh, surgery. I've had 68 surgical procedures of over six and a half hours long. You know, never mind the little ones. So uh, you've got to be pretty strong to do that. But all the way on this journey, I got a great family. Ashley got married, he went to college. I got married to a lovely local girl, got a couple of great kids. And uh, my old bird, she gets more beautiful by the day. <laughs> that's lovely. So that's, that's quite good. <laughs> She'll be glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, Ashley, then he said, he said a few years ago, Dad, uh, this is when he came back from London to join the family business. He said, Dad, I found a way of saving the world. He said, uh, I've got this idea about, about saving the world. And uh, the trouble is you're going to have to pay for it. So we launched an app. Uh, called Gander, uh, which interestingly is going to the going to be released here uh, in a couple of weeks' time with Shoprite. It's out in the UK, and uh, it pertains to save world food waste. So I've been looking at this, and it's absolutely brilliant. So when things are marked down and, and things are about to be chucked out, you can alert you to go and get them. We found the only way in the world whereby when a supermarket raises a yellow sticker on a bit of food to say that it's going out of date, that sticker sends the Gander app the information on that product, pictures, uh, where it is, what it is, discounts, all that sort of stuff. So the Isle of Man government have supported us. We have had grants from them. We've been chosen already uh, by Spar International uh, as their first port of call for food waste for, in 48 countries. It's a brilliant idea. It seems so simple, but it's just, it's such a clever thing to do. Yeah, it is clever, and so I hope it's well received here. ShopRite have grabbed it, and um, I think it'll do lots of good things for them. Gander. G Gander, Gander, it's As called. in the goose, G-A-N-D-E-R. You know, it fits within the biosphere sort of ethos here. When I came out of hospital... Everybody needs targets, everybody needs goals. If you haven't got those, there's nowhere to sort of pull your bootstraps up to. And I did go to America and I took up flying again and um, and here we are on the Isle of Man, just loving being on the Isle of Man. But I, 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 what I would like to say though, Hazel and I and Ashley, we're terribly keen on people doing well, people looking positively into the future making plans 
for making their lives go well. And I thought the last record that I've chosen, which is Billie Eilish, Eilish famous for No Time to Die, but her, her latest record is entitled The Future. And I hope you like it and thank you for listening to my somewhat weird story. Mike, it's been a privilege and it's been a pleasure. Mike Osborne, thank you. I can't seem to focus And you don't seem to notice I'm not here I'm just a mirror You check your complexion To find your reflections all Many thanks to my guest this week, Mike Osborne, for talking so openly about a remarkable story of survival and moving on from it. I'm Mark Tiley, and I hope you can join me 
every weekday morning, 9.30 to 12, for The Morning Show with Shaw Isle of Man.